Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. This is our fourth episode in our London Marathon Milestone series. Today, we're going to be sharing with you food and fluid strategies and principles for tapering. And we're going to round up with some motivational quotes from our favorite athletes. Welcome to our Marathon Milestone series, dedicated to supporting everyone training for the 2022 London Marathon with food and nutrition tips. The series of five episodes is for both first-time marathon runners as well as seasoned marathon veterans. So whether this is your first marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being marathon ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We really want you to be fit and fueled for race day. Karen and I will share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. In each episode, we will build on the previous episodes so by the time it gets to the event day, you'll feel race ready. And although we're tracking this landmark event, we're sure that you'll find the information interesting and helpful for whichever autumn marathon you're training for this year. So please share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from all the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We really hope that you find your advice helpful and we'd love to know how you're progressing during your training. So reach out to us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and let us know how you're getting on. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact us at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen and uh, this is our fourth episode in our London Marathon Milestone series so we're, we're whizzing through it, hopefully you're whizzing through your training as well. Uh, we've only got five weeks until race day uh, so we're wondering how everyone's feeling and we hope you're all feeling strong and prepared, adequately fueled and, and hydrated, uh, hopefully positive and excited and certainly focused. Um, so you might remember that um, the last time we talked about um, the various mental and physical hurdles that you might have to overcome uh, during the training alongside some key nutritional approaches to pre during and post fueling for your long runs. So that's what we did last time. So Karen, what have you got planned for us today? Well, hi, Aileen. Hi, everyone. Um, like Aileen says, first of all, I do hope you're all feeling really positive and excited about your forthcoming race. Um, Because after all, you've done most of the hard work now already, probably, um, both in working out your nutrition strategies and progressively increasing your miles. And I I just wonder how um, have most of you reached your top mileage that you plan to do now? Probably some people have. 
But if you haven't, then maybe you've got about one more long run to do, I would imagine, and then you'll be starting to taper. So thinking about along those lines, what I thought we could focus on today are um, food and fluid structures food and fluid strategies to include, but also food and fluids to remove from your regular diet in these last few weeks leading up until race day. Then from there, we'll move on and consider food and training approaches to tapering, because I do think this is an area that a lot of runners don't tend to give a great deal of time or thought to, but yet that tapering time is really important. And then I thought we could maybe finish with some um, motivational quotes from various top athletes, really to help keep everyone buoyant and focused in these coming weeks uh, leading up to race day. So that's what we've got planned for today, Elaine. Great. All sounds very interesting. And I agree. I think um, there is very little emphasis given to tapering, um, particularly um, the importance of it prior to a big race. Um, And just as a reminder to everyone, um, our expertise, Karen and I, um, our expertise is in the field of nutrition for your running. So when we talk about training approaches to tapering during this episode, we're really just speaking from our own personal experience as runners. We're not running coaches or sports therapy practitioners, but we can certainly recommend other experts if you need more specific advice. Um, But we think it's still important that we share with you um, this kind of information. Uh, Just contact us um, for any details of any uh, specific experts that you're looking for and we'll, we'll help out. Okay, Karen, so let's get started. Um, Could you begin by talking us through the food and fluids that you feel are really important for everyone to focus on in the coming weeks? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So so really, I think the focus at this time is on ensuring that your everyday diet, as well as your food for your training, includes only the foods that you know work for you. It is possible that you might be receiving lots of what other Others might think is helpful advice around what to eat and what works for them. But remember that what works for them might not work for you. So it is really about um, focusing on on you and any reactions, symptoms, side effects that um, or not that you're having from certain foods. Now, since our last episode, hopefully you have been practicing eating sort of pre, during, post long runs and have now really established the foods that you enjoy, that you can tell, tolerate and that are easy for you to carry. Or maybe you've discovered you prefer to drink your energy rather than eat it. And that is a a strategy for some people. What I would say is, if at this point you are struggling with what to eat and drink, then do get in touch with us um, so that we can uh, arrange a consultation to help you establish the best way forward, really to ensure that you are appropriately fueled for race day, um, because you want to limit the risk of anything going wrong during the marathon as much as possible. And the time that you've got until race day is quite limited now. So the hope is that everybody is um, is in the right place for their their with their nutrition and their fluid intake. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Karen. Um, at, at this point, um, you really need that you want your everyday nutrition to be balanced and, and nutrient dense, and that's going to help limit any risk of injury or illness in the coming weeks and during uh, the marathon. 
And also, you don't really want to be introducing any new foods because there's not really sufficient time to practice during training to ensure it doesn't cause any digestive issues. Um, So let's think about what foods um, are recommended. So remember, complex carbohydrates are really important to have at every meal. That would be top of the list. And choosing sources that tend to be non-irritating to the digestive system. Um, So things like uh, root vegetables, they tend to be the gentlest on the digestive tract. So uh, sweet potato, white potato, beetroot, carrot, parsnips, um, squash, things like that are really good. Uh, Beetroot and carrots are often eaten raw, um, but you can cook them lightly and that will help digestion. Also, you might want to think about legumes. So things like beans, peas, pulses and soya, they're all really good sources of complex carbohydrate, but they're also a principal source of protein if you're vegetarian or vegan. Um, But remember, if if you are somebody that suffers from IBS-like symptoms, then you might want to consider limiting their intake at at this point uh, because they can often trigger digestive uh, symptoms. And also remember, as your training's increasing, uh, you might notice that your digestive system is becoming more sensitive. And that's because the long distance running can be um, irritating to the digestive system. But particularly if you're prone already to IBS-like symptoms, these um, legumes might trigger a flare-up. So that's a a good thing to take into account. Um, Now, if you are a vegetarian um, or especially Uh, If you're a a vegan, it's really important to not limit those foods because, um, you you know, you will need them to fuel yourself. Um, But just be really mindful of when you have them and then to consume them away from your training. Um, So, again, uh, that's just some general advice for you to take. Yeah, and I think they're really good points, um, Aileen. And and I think it's a similar story with whole grains as well. Sort of the different whole grains to think about would be brown rice, pasta, bread, buckwheat, rye, oats, barley. You know, it goes on and on. Now, these two are, are great sources of complex carbohydrates and contain some protein as well. But like the legumes, as you were saying, Aileen, some of them can cause potentially digestive irritation in susceptible individuals. So, for example, wheat, which includes couscous and bulgur wheat, um, but also barley and rye and potentially oats as well for some people because they can be contaminated. So, so just being mindful of these foods, they're all really good sources of complex carbohydrates, um, but they can be irritating to some people, especially at this stage in your training. So really my suggestion here would be to think about eating these foods on rest days, so away from training, as you were suggesting, Aileen. If they are a staple in your diet for protein as well as carbs, then on training days, think about consuming consuming them 
after your training only. Try not to um, include them before, again, to help prevent that irritation when you're running. Limit how much of them you eat as a portion size. You know, it might be more beneficial to adopt the small and often approach at this point so that you're still getting what you need, but you're taking on smaller quantities at a time. Now, gluten tends to be the principal protein that causes digestive irritation for most people. Therefore, maybe thinking about avoiding all the gluten-containing whole grains Um, and other food products containing gluten until after the marathon, because there are lots of other um, complex carbohydrate sources out there that don't have um, any gluten content. And um, and and the the ones that do contain gluten, I've mentioned many of them already. So that's the likes of wheat, rye, barley, and um, and oats. Like I say, are sometimes contaminated. So um, so some people might need to uh, avoid oats as well as the other gluten containing whole grains. Great. So, yeah, lots of things to consider there if you're noticing any digestive changes as your training increases. So, Karen, you also mentioned, um, you know, you've mentioned the foods there that uh, certain runners may want to avoid. Um, And um, what about um, other foods or fluids that you recommend um, to be careful with and potentially avoid until after the marathon? Well, there are a few that... Um, uh, we would recommend probably everyone avoids um, but the key ones would be maybe alcohol at this point in time I do think maybe um, just saying okay that's the end of alcohol intake until after the marathon but for some people possibly other stimulants such as um, caffeine Um, but what I would say is with the caffeine only for certain individuals some people can use it as a as a running enhancer but for other people it can be detrimental now I have to say talking from experience and knowledge um, I I would recommend emitting alcohol from the diet completely definitely from um, I would say about four weeks on um, or four weeks until the race day and um, and I know that sort of many serious runners in my running club do tend to adopt this approach to alcohol so they will will stop having it four weeks beforehand now some people will only give up alcohol at around two weeks before others just a couple of days before and you will always get a few individuals who just don't feel they need to give it up at all however I feel that really these people might be increasing their risk of injury maybe hitting the wall certainly dehydration and and potentially collapse during the event and actually that brings to mind um For me, I remember being on the train on my way to the start um, of the London Marathon. Now, this is a few years ago now. And there was this um, group of young men on the train with me, also heading to the start. And one of them just collapsed in front of us all. Um, Thankfully, not for long. He just kind of passed out and then um he came back round so he had he had just fainted thankfully but his all all his pals were kind of treated it as a bit of a joke saying he you know he'd been drinking the night before and all he needed was a, a fry up before starting the race so you know 
um, I, I think there are people out there who kind of take this this sort of flippant approach. And um, and and I remember I just felt utterly shocked at the fact that he had consumed alcohol the night before running twenty six point two miles, and but also the fact that he was still going to compete in it. Um, although you know, I'm not sure he would compete complete all of the race, it, just looking at the state he was in on the train. And I think to me, this kind of shows a lack of respect for the distance. And I feel it is important to respect the race, respect the distance and its potential impact on the body, but also on the mind as well. So um, it is interesting and, and I still remember it so vividly. But how about you, Aileen? Have you ever witnessed what I would class as a as any foolish approaches to an an endurance event. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you do see. I mean, maybe I've not seen them in person, uh, but I've, I'm in a lot of different uh, Facebook groups for runners, and you see what people post, and you think, mm. I can't believe they've just done that. You know, even recently, I saw somebody post a giant fry up as their pre race breakfast and I just how on earth do you get away with that you know that's not a good idea um but I, I have seen runners not look after themselves regarding food and alcohol in the the days leading up to a race um and I think it, uh, particularly if it's a big race and people are traveling in a group they can fall into the trap of socializing too much in the weekend leading up to the race so I think that's something just to be bear in mind um and the other thing that um you know, unfortunately happens is that some runners start a race knowing that they've got an injury and that they've, um, they're not really race fit. And um, others maybe haven't recovered from a minor, minor illness like a cold or flu or maybe a last minute gastro type bug and and I know it's really difficult to face up to saying no I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer when especially when you've done a lot of training and it's really bad luck that you get ill at the last moment but I think you know as you say the saying is respect the challenge and there will always be another race and you know it's you just don't want to get ill and you don't want to something terrible to happen to you there's just no point is there really not worth it. Um, but it's I know it's a difficult decision, but you've got to think of that. And I, I remember one shocking incident, and I don't know what this man had done beforehand, so I'm making no judgment, but right at the end of a race, uh, while we were queuing for the transport to go home, I, I saw a man just collapse right in front of me and an ambulance had to come. And I, I don't know what had happened to him. I don't know whether it was his preparations or whether he just wasn't fit or whether mm -hmm. he underlying health condition but I just remember thinking what a shame you know you've just done this race and then this happens to you yeah. Uh, so yeah you've got to be in the best possible shape and do everything you can to keep fit don't you definitely, definitely. yeah mm -hmm. well well so yes as you can see alcohol um, can potentially have the detrimental effects on running that we've been talking about and um, we would definitely recommend you stop for a period of time before you race um, and we did actually dedicate a whole episode to alcohol and running um, episode 57 alcohol and running is it okay was a question that we asked um, so uh, you might want to go back and listen to that if you need any more persuasion um, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, listen uh, but what I would like to emphasize and we did detail it in the episode is that if chronic alcohol consumption 
also is an issue and it could impact on a runner's performance uh, due to lots of different things, but it can lead to dehydration, it can disturb your sleep, um, there can be a, a, an increased risk of injury, it can affect your body composition negatively, it can impair protein, um, muscle protein synthesis, uh, and also it might suppress um, an impact on your immune system. So, you know, we all enjoy a drink, or most of us enjoy an alcoholic drink, but just do it in, in moderation within the health guidelines is, uh, is what we'd recommend. Yeah, absolutely. And and although, you know, here we are recommending that you avoid alcohol for approximately one month before a marathon, there are no specific guidelines on this. And alcohol does affect different people in different ways. So it is worth bearing that in mind. But remember, you have put a lot of time and effort and dedication into preparing for the London Marathon. And like you were saying, Aileen, really thinking about being in your best health before race day is going to really help you achieve your best performance and achieve the goals that you've set out to do. You know, you want to really have good quality sleep. You want to feel energized, have a robust immune system, also be optimally hydrated and fully alert in the weeks and the days up until race day. So for the next few weeks, you could maybe consider a non-alcoholic drink. Now, what I tend to do is um, I tend to have kombucha when I'm not drinking um, alcohol and um if we are entertaining or at someone else's place, I will have it in a wine glass just to trick myself that I am still in the party party groove. But whilst I'm also actually supporting my digestive system and supporting my immune system for my running and for my race. And I have to say it does work for me. And, um, and I do recommend it to lots of clients and they just find it's 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 really helpful um, because it is sort of you're, you're, you're still drinking it out of a nice glass. It's the colour. You can get it in the colours of red wine, rosé or white wine. So um, that is um, another option. But how about you, Aileen? What do you have as an alternative to alcohol when you're preparing for a race? Um, well, I like kombucha, like you said. Um, I like it with a, a, a if it's if it's a homemade uh, strong kombucha, because some of them are a bit, you know, they they're quite uh, potent, aren't they, taste-wise? So if I if I have it a homemade one, I'll put some fruit juice in, like cranberry, and maybe some sparkling water. Uh, I also like a ginger kombucha, and uh, I also um, I've got into having something called Seedlip. Um, Seedlip's a, a non-alcoholic botanical drink, which tastes a little bit like gin but without the alcohol. And I'll have that with some um, tonic water, or you can have it with soda and lime and it's a quite a nice spritzer so um yeah there's there's plenty of alternatives out there and um you often find that there's some good alternatives in pubs and bars when you go to um when you're going out with people so there aren't you know there's there's lots of good choices you don't have to feel left out um so uh yeah ask what's on the menu next time you, you go out and that can give you some ideas for home too um so, Karen, you, you also mentioned caffeine earlier. Is, is there anything you'd like to say about caffeine? Yeah. I know you like it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I do like it. And uh, 
And uh, but again, I have to use it strategically uh, around my training because, um, yeah. you know, you, you do get people who are responders and non-responders. Um, and and like I say, lots of people will use it as an ergogenic aid. But although some people might be responders, so they're fast metabolizers, therefore they can use it to their advantage in training and events. Others might be non-responders, so a bit like me, so they're slow metabolizers. Therefore, it actually can be potentially detrimental to running performance. So, like I say, I have to use it strategically and I have it after my, my running, not before. Now, we do dedicate an episode to this topic again. Episode 69 is Caffeine Good for Running. So you might wish to um, listen to this for more detailed information. But just in a nutshell, really, what I would like to say here is that, um, like I say, caffeine is thought to have an ergogenic effect on sort of cognitive function, so that attention, vigilance, and might induce um, a decreased perception of effort and fatigue. So that rate of perceived exertion that you hear people speaking about. So for some people, training might feel easier and pace could be maintained for longer. So that's how it can be used positively as an ergogenic aid. Now, lifestyle and nutrition choices, as well as genetics, could affect how you metabolize the caffeine. Therefore, would affect how you respond to the caffeine in the training. So going back to being a, a, a quick responder, a, a responder or a non-responder, so that fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer. Now, health factors that you might want to consider include the fact that um, caffeine consumption might be detrimental to bone mineral density. So if you do have um, sort of any bone health issues at the moment, maybe osteopenia, osteoporosis, then just being mindful of your caffeine intake there. Um, pregnant women are advised to minimise their caffeine consumption and also just thinking um, there about oral contraception and other medications might actually affect the metabolism of caffeine. So just bearing all those in mind when you're making decisions on whether you want to use it as an ergogenic aid or not. Yeah, and uh, some people might be thinking, well, how do I know um, whether I should be taking coffee or not? So some of the symptoms that you might experience um, suggesting that caffeine consumption isn't the correct ergogenic aid for you. And remember, caffeine's not just coffee. It can be also found in, in soft drinks too. Um, so it's symptoms such as insomnia, so poor sleep, anxiety, um, an upset um stomach, digestive system, you might get the jitters or feel shaky, you might have lightheadedness, potentially nausea and hyperglycemia type symptoms, you know, where you, you get that jittery blood sugar type symptom. Um, and there's also, <coughs> excuse me, evidence that um, slow metabolizers have an increased risk of having a non-fatal heart attack or or high blood pressure with high amounts of um coffee intake so it's really worthwhile being mindful of any symptoms that you experience uh, when when drinking coffee and consider either removing or reducing your daily intake until after the marathon and the other thing just to mention is that caffeine uh, also um, might dehydrate you so mm -hmm. 
you don't want to be going into a race feeling dehydrated or a training run. So you can bear that in mind too. I mean, my tip is whenever I have a cup of coffee, I always have a big glass of water, um, which just helps counteract that uh, potential dehydration. Absolutely. And the other thing I would just add there as well, Aileen, you know, you were saying that caffeine's not just coffee, it's in other products as well. And you can find it in some of the um, sort of the bars and gels and things that you, you that people use for um, training. So just being mindful if you are sensitive to caffeine, just reading the label and making sure there's no caffeine in any of the bars or gels that you choose. Yeah. And even if you're not sensitive, being aware that it might be and what your consumption is, because you could quite easily tip over into having too much caffeine without without thinking about it, really. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, so we've uh, outlined some foods to to consume regularly. And uh, we've also looked at um, others to consider reducing or removing until after the marathon. Uh, We've talked about the reasons for removing alcohol now um, uh, or or until after the event and and some reasons about, um, you know, caffeine and why you might consider um, at least monitoring and managing your caffeine intake or or eliminating it um, until after the race. And um, all of this is going to make will help you be your healthiest and strongest for for race day. Um, So now um, let's move on and discuss some food and training approaches to tapering, Karen. You mentioned that at the start of the episode. Um, So by the time we we meet again for the the final episode in this series, um, it's It'll be just a week until race day. Um, So everybody should have already uh, moved into the tapering phase of their training. So it's the ideal time now to start talking about tapering. So Karen, can you explain exactly what tapering is and why it's a really important phase of marathon training? Yes, what's interesting because a paper written in 2021, so a recent paper focusing on tapering for marathon marathon events and recreational runners um they st- in that paper they stated that the taper refers to a gradual reduction in training load for athletes in the days or weeks before a competitive event and they then go on to say that it's important because its main aim is to help maximize the physiological adaptations that arise from training by providing the athletes with an opportunity to recover from the fatigue that accumulates during training. Now, various research has shown that carefully controlled tapering can lead to significant performance benefits for athletes in a variety of sports, including running. So they've shown that this phase is really important and probably as important as the training itself. Very good. A lot of people be saying that they taper all the time rather than (laughs) maybe. I've got friends who like to taper months before an event. (laughs) Anyway, what is the recognised approach to tapering? Well, apparently there are several ways of implementing a a taper. It could be done by adjusting the frequency of the training or maybe the volume of the training or the intensity of the training or a combination of all of the three of those. Now, these adjustments to training are introduced according to a prescribed schedule and over a predetermined period of time. But there does need to be a balance between maximising performance 
overtraining and undertraining. And I have to say that there is a fine line between each. So um, it is about trying to sort of maximise that training. So, for example, thinking about some studies that have, have found that shorter tapers may be insufficient to obtain the necessary recovery required for optimal performance, whilst tapers that are too long, so like your friends, Ailey, or where, or where training load is reduced too much or too quickly, it leads to a detraining effect that also results in compromised performance. So it really is about getting the balance. Mm. So what you're saying, Karen, is that shorter and longer tapers are thought to be detrimental to performance. So how long um, a taper should be? You know, how do we categorize it and what's the optimal length of a taper? Well, it, it does it does appear that it's it's different for elite and professional athletes, but for recreational runners, a taper of um only one week is thought to be too short, and tapering over four weeks is thought to be too long. So in other words, in the twenty twenty one paper that I mentioned earlier, their results suggested that that a two week uh sorry, a three week and strict taper was the optimal length of time so and what I mean by a strict taper um, um, is that apparently lots of recreational runners will begin tapering and then throw in a random long run um, and, and, and it is actually thought that apparently around 31% of recreational runners adopt a strict taper so it's actually quite low and um, and a more relaxed approach to tapering is thought to be detrimental to overcome performance, um, to overall performance. So the taper does need to include a consistent decrease in training volume over that three week period. So there's no point in throwing in an extra long run because um, you're not supporting your performance in the long term. And interestingly, the performance benefits do appear to be greater for females than males. So they didn't give a reason why that should be, but they, they found in, in the studies that they've done that, that it, the, yeah, it, the benefits are greater for females. Great. That's good to know. That's really interesting. So what you're saying there, Karen, is that tapering should ideally begin around three weeks before race day and needs to include a consistent decrease in training volume during that time. Mm. Uh, yeah. OK, so now what we've um, just as a, a recap, we've spoken about tapering in a, a previous episode, but we've never actually dedicated a whole episode to it. I think we talked about it in one of the Great North Run episodes um so maybe um that's something we could do for the future especially as there's some new research out uh, and we can tap into that so just before we move on karen what is the nutritional approach to the taper um period because clearly you know energy intake would need to be adjusted to ref reflect the training that's that's being completed and um as i said in in the the GNR episode, the Great North Run episode that we um, looked at in the week leading up to the, to the, the Great North Run race, uh, we talked about um, a runner would plan to eat um, at three days at 50% carbohydrate, followed by three days at 70% carbohydrate alongside reducing the training. And, and the reason for that was to help maximize glycogen loading without overindulging 
and carbohydrate foods. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that you wanted to add about food and nutrition for marathon runners during this taper period? Yeah, I think what I would probably want to mention here is that apparently runners are at an increased risk of developing illness during this taper period. Therefore, you know, it is a time to be concentrating on foods to support the immune system. That seems to be really key. Now, again, we have to dedicated an episode to the subject so episode 14 endurance running and the immune system but just to highlight the key nutrients um, to focus on at this point um, so during the taper to support your immune system would be vitamin d so that sunshine vitamin um, because that can help to enhance the function of the immune cells. And it's an easy one to correct, actually, if um, if you test, and we would recommend testing, finding out what your, um, what your current levels are and um, supplementing accordingly. Also, polyphenols. So they're a category of nutrients mostly found in plant foods. And one of the subcategories of that is um, anthocyanidins. Now, they're found in fruits mainly. So the purple, the blue, the red and the orange fruits. And they have, um, there's been a number of studies which, which suggest that eating foods or supplements containing these nutrients support the immune system and help to reduce the pro-inflammatory effects. But what I would just add here is, I know you are in the tapering period, but if you are thinking about taking any antioxidant supplements, just making sure that you take it, take them two hours before or two hours after training, you don't want to be taking them within that, within those um, two-hour windows each side because you want to encourage the body to produce its own antioxidants. But also thinking about um, nutrients such as zinc and selenium and, of course, the well-known vitamin C and also um, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and, and we do talk about these in various episodes, so I'm not going to go into um, any details here, Aileen. Um, so I just wondered if there was anything else that you would add to this nutrient list before before we move on. Yeah, well, one one thing that's crossed my mind here, Karen, is you, you talked about um, we're more susceptible to illness in this tapering period. Mm-hmm. So when we were talking earlier about um, reducing alcohol intake, one of the benefits of reducing alcohol intake is that's going to support your immune system. And if you were continuing to drink alcohol, your immune system might be suppressed and that's going to leave you wide open to more infection so uh, things are sort of you can see the the links there mm-hmm. uh, a couple of um other areas um to to think about nutritionally wise are maybe adding in foods that contain beta glucans because they're very good at um modulating the the immune system um both uh, both the innate and adaptive immunity um systems and you'll find them in um, oats barley um baker's yeast whole grains and also in mushrooms um and you've just mentioned antioxidants so um really making sure that you eat lots of plant foods and uh, a wide different range of colorful fruit and vegetables will help um and just generally following an anti-inflammatory food plan so eating good quality food minimizing processed foods and uh, focusing on lots of fruit and vegetables and 
good quality proteins would help. Yeah, absolutely. So lots of food choices and good food choices, healthy food choices to be um, thinking about at the moment. But just remembering the digestive system and what works for you and what doesn't. Okay, so just to summarise before we move on, we've established that tapering before a big event or race is important for up performance and that the recommended length of a taper is three weeks and needs to be strictly adhered to. Um, It is also a time when nutrition needs to be supporting the immune function because as runners you are more, we are more susceptible to illness and we know that distance runners are highly susceptible to to that upper respiratory tract infection so just be mindful of that. So Aileen I'm thinking it might be a good time to just take a quick advert break here before we move on so I'll hand over to you okay thanks Karen Uh, so this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a minute to talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast Um, we really hope that you're enjoying and getting lots of value from the London Marathon Milestone series and uh, and if you are we'd be really grateful if you would share it with your running friends because we're always trying to reach a wider audience Um, but you might be finding that although you're getting help and value from listening to the podcast it might be helpful to have access to some extra additional information and materials that could support your training and running performance for this race and beyond um and what we we did um, some while ago, a couple of years ago, Karen and I um, designed um, a video program called Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners. And it, it's based on our own experiences and our own um, nutritional knowledge um, to um, help support you in your running performance. And it's really a short and sweet video program. So you can complete it in 30 minutes a day over two weeks or you can take as long as you need to some people prefer to spread it over a long period or, and they like to go back and refresh their knowledge from time to time and so there's lots of supporting materials and downloadable um, resources for you um, as well as some weekly personal support from us um, so if you've got any questions and you want to speak to us in person you can join our Zoom coaching circle if you're part of the program. And that's a really invaluable aspect of the program. So if you are interested in finding out more, you can look at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the top menu bar. Um, look at work for us and you'll see a drop down menu and you'll find easy nutrition uh, for healthy runners. And there's a page there explaining everything about the um, the program there. And we do have a special um, discount code for you, which is running throughout our milestones uh, series. So it, it won't be there for too much longer. Uh, so if you are interested in uh, joining us, please use um, our special discount code, which is race, R-A-C-E, and that will give you you £200 off the full price so you can join us for only £97 and you get unlimited access to the videos and all the resources as well as joining us in the coaching circle. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. So now let's finish with some inspiring and motivational quotes from some famous runners, most of whom I think people will recognise, I think. Now, there is thought to be some science behind these positive affirmations, as they're known. And um, there's a psychiatrist called Christopher N. Cassio. Now, he found that when positive affirmations, um, so we're using inspirational quotes here, are used, um, neuropathic 
pathways in the prefrontal cortex are triggered. So, um, so that sort of helps build new neural networks. Now, also, another piece of research found that these triggers appear to reframe what's otherwise um, seen as threatening information and, um, and, and changing it into more self-relevant and valuable valuable information. Now, this means that the individual begins to reshape their self-identity and their beliefs about what they can and cannot do. And it's thought that when an individual changes their beliefs, their actions will then follow. So it all starts in the mind and then the body will react. So thinking about that and the, the fact that there's apparently science behind it, some science behind it. Let's look at some um, inspirational quotes. And, and I do hope that they inspire you. So um, I'm going to start off with this one. And this one's from um, Usain Bolt. Um, he says, don't think about the start of the race. Think about the ending. And, and I have to say, I, I, I agree. You know, think about crossing the finishing line and that feeling of satisfaction as you do that. So that's Usain Bolt. Want to think about it, does he? He's only got right. a few seconds. Well, he doesn't have long to think about it. You're right. We were out there for much longer. <laughs> yes, that's true. That is true, Aileen. Um, the will to win means nothing without the will to prepare. Now, I think this is quite a famous quote. I've heard that many times. This was um, a quote by Juma Nkanga. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that well, so I apologise to anybody. Um, um, uh, hopefully I haven't offended anybody. Now, he was the 1989 winner of the New York Marathon. And, um, and, and, and really, it's about what you um, are, are all doing, hopefully. You know, you're preparing so that you can achieve your goal, knowing that you are physically and mentally strong. You've prepared, like he says, he says, it's the will to prepare gives you that means more than the, the will to win. And another one, um, the miracle isn't that I finished. The miracle is that I had the courage to start. Um, now, that's by John Bingham, and I'm not actually sure who John Bingham is. He's he's definitely a runner, but I don't know um, what distance he he does. Um, and then Dean Carnanzas. Um, now I, I don't know if many people will know of him. He did write um, the book about. Oh, what was it titled? I've read it. Is it the Lone Runner? Um, something like that. Now, he says, run when you can, walk if you have to, crawl if you must, just never give up. Um, motivational, yes, maybe, but sometimes, like you were saying um, earlier, Aileen, sometimes you just have to accept that maybe um, you have to stop and recover and um, I think it was maybe in one of our previous episodes that we were speaking about this that sometimes you know there will always be another race so yeah, sometimes and sometimes it's just for a moment as well you know yeah. I think I, I remember when I first started running I, I just was fixated about never stopping and mm -hmm. I really worried about if I had to stop and actually if you do have to go a bit slower for a, a few minutes 
or, or even less. It, it in the end of it, it, you know, unless you're totally fixated on time, it doesn't really matter. And I, you know, I think you've got to get things into perspective sometimes in life. And I think it comes back to that that other quote, you know, the miracle is that I had the courage to start along with the other thousands of people that you're probably going to do the race with. You yeah. know, you or you've all, you're already winner, aren't you? Yeah. That you're there at the beginning. So. Absolutely. And I, and I think also, in a way, this kind of lets you know that it's okay to walk, that, that you've been given permission to walk if you need to. And yeah. like you say, it's about reaching the finish line that's important, not how quickly you do it or in what state you do it as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember once having to um, not not um, enter a race and it was the first time I'd ever had to pull out and I, I had to chat with my brother about it I was like oh god I really just feel as though I'm letting everybody down and he said Aileen it's not going to be in the newspapers tomorrow Aileen Smith didn't do this race and I thought yeah you're right actually it's only me <laughs> it's true it's so true isn't it we put, give, we put so much pressure on ourselves sometimes yeah. and it just needs someone else to let us know that it's okay yeah yeah yeah. And then most people will probably recognize this famous quote, uh, don't dream of winning, train for it. And that's by Mo Farah. And I think that's another quote that really demonstrates the importance of training. Um, and that's what everybody's doing. So hopefully everybody here is going to be at their physical and mental best when they get to the start line. Yeah. Another one um, here, and this is from my 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 favourite, as you know, long distance runner, um, Scott Jurek, he says, run for 20 minutes and you'll feel better. Run another 20 and you might tire. Add on three hours and you're, you'll hurt, but keep going and you'll see and you'll hear and smell and taste the world with a vividness that will make your former life pale. I really wow. like that quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. It would be interesting to know how many people would agree with the, with this quote. But I do think that once you get through that distance barrier, then the world, you do see and feel and smell the world in a different way. Cause, and I think part of that is the sense of achievement in it. Yeah. Yeah. And just one more from me, from me, Aileen, and then I'm going to hand over to you um, to give us some. So this one actually isn't from a runner. It's from um, Michael Phelps. So um, he says, you can't put a limit on anything. The more you dream, the further you get. I really like that quote. I have to say it's kind of saying, follow your dreams and you'll succeed. So it's such a lovely quote. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have got a, I have got a few quotes because you you gave me the heads up that I needed to prepare for this, so I, I've got a few quotes to share with you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my first one is uh, from Roger Bannister, and uh, he says, uh, "However ordinary each of us may seem, we are in all all in some way special and can do things that are extraordinary, perhaps until then even thought impossible." And, you know, I think that probably resonates with many people that I, I certainly never thought I could run. And I didn't start running until my mid 40s. And I, and I always have to say that 
uh, you know, running at all uh, felt like a minor miracle for me. And it still feels sometimes like a miracle. <laughs> you know, I think it's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so it is. I think we are we are all special. And I just think if I can do it, anybody can. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, you look back and think what you have achieved. You think, oh, my God, I've done that. And I've done that several times now. And like you, Aileen, I still find it quite amazing that, I've achieved and I need and sometimes I don't respect how much I've achieved and and again it's it's going back to somebody else saying having to say but look what you have achieved yeah I mean we're all very much um I, I think I've said this before one of my friends always after the end of the race he always says uh training starts again tomorrow <laughs> you know you have your evening of glory but um, yes Yes. So anyway, my next one is uh, when you run the marathon, you run against the distance, not against the other runners and not against the time. And that's from um, Haile Gebri Selassie. Uh, and I, I think this is really important because you've got to remember you're running your own race uh, and no one else's race. Um, so, you know, yeah. get in your own zone and don't about everybody else. Absolutely. And I think that's what's nice about running is that you don't have to feel that you're competing with anybody. Mm. You can you can run your own race and you can compete against yourself if that's what you want to do. But you're on your own. You're surrounded by lots of people. So you're not on your own, but you're running on your, alone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Uh, my next one is from an unknown person. Um I saw on a Facebook post and it says a good laugh and a long run are the two best cures for anything uh, and I definitely think that both uh, will help you forget any any worries you have um, and, and again I think when when you're in a race the thing that always inspires me is that, that I can do it that I can run and not everybody has that privilege so um, absolutely something to uh, to think about mm-hmm. um, and then another one by Mo, Mo Farah. Um, it doesn't just come overnight. You've got to train for it. Believe in yourself. That's the most important thing. And I just think if that's good enough for Mo, it's good enough for us all. You know, he's somebody that works hard, um, has faith in himself. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with that one. And another one from Mo, he's, he's quite prolific with his quotes. Yes. Is, uh, what you put into it is what you get out of it. And, and really, that's what all this training and coaching is about isn't it it's um it's putting the hours and the dedication in and keeping your training consistent and um, get the results we'll get the results yeah yeah and finally karen there's another one from scott jurek um the reward of running of anything lies within us um, mm-hmm. with that one you know that nobody else can do it for you. you've got to do it for yourself Absolutely. And there's reward in that, you know, doing it for you, doing it for yourself, by yourself. You know, it's all within us. We're all we're capable. And, you know, for everybody listening, you've done the training, you know, you're capable. And it's about enjoying the next few weeks of training and then enjoying the day and that sense of achievement at the end. So thanks for all of those quotes that you gave as well, Aileen. So hopefully some of these quotes might speak to some of you. Um, And what I would suggest here is that maybe you pull out two or three of them that you feel 
really inspired you quite strongly. They really resonated with you. You might have to listen to them again and then pull out three that resonates with you. What I would say is forget all the rest of them for now. You can always go back to them and use them in the future if you, if you wished. Now, write down the quotes that inspire you and then put them somewhere that you will see them often. So, for example, on the fridge, inside a cupboard door, on a kitchen blackboard, or even maybe put a post-it on a mirror, um, on your phone, on the wallpaper, computer, wherever. And um, really what you want to be doing now is to aim to read them and think about them each day. And when you read them... Um, try to bring back that feeling of inspiration and that feeling of excitement you felt when you first heard them here and when you first um, read them, when you wrote them down. And, and then hopefully over time, this will really help to strengthen your confidence and your mental stamina and therefore improve your running performance and motivation in that preparation for, but also including race day. So just an idea of how you could you utilise some of these quotes that we've given you in helping maintain uh, motivation from now until race day and on race day. Yeah, great ideas there, Karen. And uh, it's definitely something I'm going to take on board too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I will as well, Aileen, because, you know, I think about them and I read them, but I don't actually write them down and sort of sort of digest them, really. Um, they're just sort of fleeting. I read them and I move on. So I really need to think about choosing my three favourites and then having post-its in different places. Yeah, the family will, will react to that. <laughs> Yes. Okay, that brings uh, this episode to an end, Karen. Uh, So before we go, could you uh, give us an idea about what we'll be talking about uh, on the next episode, our final episode in the London Marathon Milestone series? And also, uh, would you close with your key takeaways from today's episode? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So next time, what we'll do is we'll spend some time focusing on that week leading up to race day and, and how to prepare yourself mentally and physically, really with an emphasis on rest and sleep, uh, the foods to eat and um, alternative physical activities that you could be doing um, to running. So, so because being mindful that you want to be reducing your running, but you want to maintain that physical activity. So we'll look at some of that as well. So moving on then and thinking about the key takeaways from today's episode, what I would say is that now is the time to really ensure that your diet is free of any foods that may cause you digestive irritation and try not to introduce any new foods at this time and up until um, after the marathon. We would recommend that you omit alcohol from your routine from now until after the marathon uh, because it, it might lead to both physical and psychological effects that could potentially have a detrimental effect on your running performance for the rest of your training, but also on race day. Remember that with caffeine, some people are responders, so fast metabolizers, therefore could use caffeine um, and take the advantage of caffeine in their training and events. Others may be non-responders, though, so slow metabolizers, therefore 
it could potentially be detrimental to their running performance and really uh, would be uh, interesting to to have a think about which one are you and um, and utilizing it appropriately remember that tapering is an important part of your training and that carefully controlled tapering could lead to significant performance benefits for um for all athletes actually but but for runners too during the taper it is thought that runners may be at increased risk of illness and injury so it is a time to focus on supporting your immune system nutritionally and some nutrients to think about to support the immune system include vitamin d polyphenols antioxidants and beta glucans and then finally remember that positive affirmations are thought to help reshape our self-identity and our beliefs about what we can and cannot do and then when we change our beliefs our actions then follow so choosing maybe two or three of the inspirational quotes that we read out today reading them daily might help keep you mentally and physically strong and motivated up until and during race day so you're all winners so keep going and that would be it from me early Oh, thanks, Karen. It's been a really inspiring conversation today. And I hope everyone listening is feeling inspired to stay the course, keep focused, uh, continue with uh, your training and looking after yourself. I remember uh, Mo Farah's quote, which was, it doesn't just come overnight. You've got to train for it and believe in yourself. That is the most important thing. So remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your London Marathon or Autumn Marathon race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. However, Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we've decided the best way to do that is to make you a special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your training plan. The program includes downloadable menus, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the real icing on the cake is that as part of the program, you're invited to our weekly coaching circle. So we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training. So we're offering the program a very special price of only £97. The full price is 297 so that's £200 off the full price. That's less than £1 a day over 16 weeks and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this offer. If you'd like to join the program, please book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and thanks again for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. 
We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.